1312, yes. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to the Joust. My name is Nagy. I'm here as always with my co-host Liam McNeil. Liam, how are you this evening? Nagy, look, I'm not too bad. Obviously, uh, the weekend has left me in a, a bit of a bit of a slump, a bit of a you know, just feeling down, feeling generally unwell. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I look, I'm on the road to recovery. That's the main thing. Mm. Well, we've got another round coming up very soon this week, but well, let's focus on the round that we've just had. Mm, now, Liam, please. 13 points to 12, not the result that we wanted leaving that stadium. Uh, or I think uh, leading into the game, everyone was feeling pretty confident. There was an air of confidence around, even at the stadium. You know, you, you kind of felt it. There was a bit of vibrancy. I think it was 19 and a half... No, 19,050 people, odd. And I think they were 19,050 fairly confident people. I'm including the Dragons fans, obviously, because they were confident too. But it just, there was an air of confidence throughout the evening that that just left one feeling feeling hollow. How was it, you were at the game now, Liam. How was it when you, when leaving the stadium? Terrible. It was really (laughs) bad. Everyone kind of, as soon as the, uh, the ref blew the whistle for the field goal, everyone was straight up out of their seats and... Yeah, you know, I went back to West and uh, there was a lot of Dragons fans at West and they were very loud. Yeah. They were, uh, yes, you know, very lairish, which uh, I didn't appreciate, but, you know, they had every right to be, so I just sat quietly in the corner and uh, tried my best to ignore them. Obviously, uh, the game, look, I, I think it's fair to say neither side played well. It was a it was a team it was two teams that came together that just looked like they uh, they couldn't really click. It seemed to be the theme of the weekend with all the golden point games. They weren't particularly good games. They were they were rather very bad games yeah. where one team just accidentally won. <laughs> yeah, I think if the clock just continued, if it wasn't golden point, if it was just you know a, you know a hundred and twenty minute game, uh, the 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 leads would have still changed hands a bunch of times. Would have seed and sword, if you will. What went right for you, Liam? Look, what went right? There was a few things that went right. I thought the Knights completed well. It was an eighty-two percent completion rate. So when we did have the ball, you know, we didn't give them gift uh, St. George Illawarra too many opportunities. Um, the forwards, I thought, went along pretty well with what's a fairly handy St. George Illawarra pack. Obviously led from the front by David Clemmer, who, again, you know, put in a spell like we've expected from him. Um, Kalen Ponger, straight back to fullback, started paying dividends already, set up the two tries down the left-hand side there. They were beautiful. And I thought Mason Lino had a pretty steady club debut. He didn't blow anyone off the park, but... Coming back from injury into a new side, I thought he did a few things that were to be expected. There was a few mistakes, but nothing catastrophic. Well, I, I will, I'll disagree with you, Liam. I didn't like Mason Leno's debut. Oh, I okay. thought I thought he just looked out of place. Uh, oh. He was down that edge where we just never went. And then when when uh, if, if Pierce was caught late in the in the tackle count and he had to make a decision, I felt like he didn't do. Uh, what you would expect of someone, possibly with his experience, he sort of, um, you know, we, we've had players previously that have been in that position, and it's always, well, they're, you know, they're fresh and they're new. But Mason Luna came off uh, the Warriors, playing with some really good uh, players over there, and and everyone. I, th- this was said through the week. Mason Luna, he's a gun, he's a sharpshooter, he can kick goals, um, and we didn't see any of that from him. I thought we didn't. Yeah, you raise a good point, Nagy. I think you've talked me around. Actually, I don't know it's kind of hard to get a gauge on as someone who's so used to watching football on television. Television. Yeah. All my ease in hospitality, never making it to games. Watching football live is a completely different beast. And I tend to find when I speak with people who watch it on the telly afterwards, I've often got a very different opinion. 
because it's it's harder to grasp the ebbs and flows when you're there live. I think. I think. It, so I think, I think you're, uh, you're right. I was probably wrong about that. I think you're right. And look, <laughs> that, the move back to fullback for Caelan Ponga did pay dividends, and I, I will jump straight into uh, the first clip here of um, Edric Lee, mm. uh, Edric Lee's try, where um, obviously Caelan's just got a little bit more room to move. This is a perfect setup coming down his favoured side, uh, and obviously there's a, an offload here from uh, Tim Glasby. Uh, Clement does the the exact thing and get the ball to Ponga but this pass was absolutely beautiful look we haven't seen a long passing game the likes of Caelan Ponga since Andrew Johns yeah. his, um, his right to left pass out to Edric Lee is just it's just remarkable but what you saw there was him picking the right option he saw that the St. Saint George Illawarra winger had come in so he threw the long ball which um, we'll go now to our second clip which is a very similar setup yeah. now you'll see that they're set in very much the same way Caelan Ponga out the back Lockie Fitzgibbon, Heimel Hunt, Edric Lee. But in this case, he sees the winger stays out. And so he throws the, the short cut pass to Heimel Hunt. Yeah. And it's just the fact that he can make that right option that a lot of other playmakers wouldn't be able to make. They're very much set into which pass they'll throw, whereas he holds off his pass until he's assessed the defensive line right at the last minute, which is, at fullback, he's able to do because he's got that extra bit of space. And it was just beautiful to see those two tries. It was, and they were carbon copies of themselves, except obviously Kalen, uh, you know, chose the, the other runner. Um, um, by reading the defence, like it would have been, it's good to see that he made that decision and didn't go for that long ball back out to Edric Lee mm. and then Edric Lee get tackled. Um, but also he had Lockie Fitz uh, running off his hip, which drew all the other defence as well, Br- brought them right in um, because ever, I think it would have been in everyone's game plan, Kalen to Lockie Fitz, watch out for that short pass. So he made, you know, he had three choices there uh, and sold the defence on two of them and then made the right one. So, which th- is why it works so well. He's instead of running a, a set play, he's just got a shape and he just needs to throw the right pass. He's got three players running three lines and he'll assess which pass he thinks needs to be thrown and throw it. And that was just beautiful. He did remarkably well. Now, for what went wrong in the in oh. the game, the, for me, where we lost that game was I- entirely in the first half uh, mm-hmm. and it continued on in the second half. But what we what went wrong was very early was uh, when they put a kick deep into, um, into our half, Look, they know that Kalen's not one to run the ball back uh, with strength. He's not a big player, and we frankly can't risk him in those sorts of roles, um, sprinting back in Carmichael Hunt style. Mm. Um, and so, but then they've also picked us that we are getting most of our, like a lot of our getting out of our red zone just off the back of the wingers. The two wingers come in uh, and and you know take take the basically the first three hit ups of the ruck, and they just picked us and uh, gang tackled because uh, they knew that the wingers weren't going to pass the ball there was no threat there was no change and that's right when their forwards were coming back and that's basically what we've been training to do but they picked us and we had no contingency plan when this was happening they did you're right and that's interesting because that's such a you know a key part of the modern day wingers game is making those hard yards acting like that you know two extra forwards coming out of yardage I believe they call it and yeah got, you're right they just seem to pick them off every time well, they just read us to know that we weren't going to pass, and, and players like um, SKD and Edric Lee, like they're, they're big wingers, and that's re- the, one of the reasons why they're in the side is to uh, such an important part of the game now is bringing it back early um, and using them almost as running forwards. Uh, but they just they when we had no one back there, there was no passing options. Uh, it was just straight from dummy half for a scoot, and we just they they just got us every time. That was the first point of why we why we lost. The second one was uh, Mitchell Pierce. Uh, now, I thought Mitchell Pierce um, had, uh, look, he, he, he tried his guts out, but he couldn't play to his fullest because um, they they knew exactly that he was our kicking option on the fifth. Mm. Now, he got tackled wi- like after the kick, somewhat legal, some were a bit dubious. Um, 
I'd say every kick. There might have been like one where he, he might got bumped and stayed to his feet. Mm, but the kick l- pressure was immense. A lot of the time he ended up on, on his back. Now, if you compare that to how many times he kicked the ball, it would have been, you know, I'm talking like a dozen times that he would have been tackled just after the kick where you, your body's in this awkward position, landing often on the flat of your back. Uh, and then to then in, in contrast, also in defense, he made 24 tackles. Now, for a halfback, that's obviously the directing play towards him. Um, I know um, uh, the Tyson Frizzell, uh, as soon as he came on, uh, he was sticking to, to um, Mitchell Pierce like glue. Uh, you saw him with the one-on-one steal. Uh, he just he, he had that, that role of bullying Mitchell Pierce uh, and making his night really tough. Now, this is what good teams do. This is what teams like Brisbane used to do with uh, your um, Alex, not Alex Glenn. What's the guy that's gone to the Warriors? Oh, well, Josh McGuire was another one that mm-hmm. Brisbane did it. And what they just did, they went and bullied the halves. Which Tarek Sims is one of the best at. And he was leading the kick chase. There was a number of times where Tarek Sims put uh, some hits on Mitchell Pierce that the crowd were baying for blood. And only one of them was penalised. And yeah. when I think Tarek w- had the pants scared off of him by David Klemmer. Um, but yeah, they, they really pressured Mitchell Pierce. And it showed. He was clearly under fatigue because in that Golden Point extra time period, there was no leadership. There was no kind of what you want Mitchell Pierce there for he just couldn't do it he was he was out on his feet and that was to me the most glaring issue as to why we lost was yeah in that golden point period we just looked headless and the worst example of that was uh the Ben Hunt kick out of dummy half 40-20 attempt rolled dead seven tackle set and just completely butchered it barely made it past halfway when a seven tackle set at that point in the game you should be getting to within field goal range yeah and but i think even if we got to field goal range putting that pressure back on pierce to do all the heavy lifting of basically running the set. Um, this is where I would have loved to see someone like Mason Lino step up and just sort of run the forwards, uh, get it out wide, get to where they need to be, and Pierce could just basically spend that whole set after you know ninety minutes of football effectively um, finding like the good spot. The, the good position and, and kicking. I think even the times that he did have shots at goal, I think he had, you know, images of Tarek Sims belting mm. forward towards him because that's that's what the whole game's been. Which is very understandable. I mean, when Tarek Sims does that to you all game, you're going to be thinking of that in the back of your mind. Yes. Now, one Don't thing... Don't you hate a bully? Yeah, look, I, I, I think, honestly, like, I've always been for the, like, the refs should stay out of the game, but I'm going to make... Uh, look, without pointing too many fingers at the refs, uh, they lost control of the ruck. I'm glad you brought that up, Nagy, because I was going to say something else that went wrong. The Knights could not buy a call from the officials. I, well, I don't know if it came through on the television, but at the stadium, the, the 10 metres was very, very skinny. The 10 metres was very, very skinny. There was a number of late hits. The... St. George players were laying all through the ruck yep. and that James Graham offload that uh, was penalised as a strip maybe one of the worst calls in the history of rugby league. Yes. Uh, now, we are not the kind of podcast to, to blame the referees and we shan't. I shan't do that. Well, I sort of did when I said they lost control of the ruck. Well, they lost control of the ruck. <laughs> that doesn't mean they lost the Knights the game. The Knights still no, should had... be good enough to step up and win the game. However, it really doesn't help. And... I, it, on the TV coverage, did that come through? Did that shine through that maybe the Knights were getting the rough end of the stick whistle-wise? Well, well, what dampened that whole thing? I don't think it really did shine through. I think both sides weren't getting any sort of penalties that they might have been used to. Uh, and I think when um, you know the, both defensive lines, I think Dragons took it, the most of it coming up quicker on the Knights and they weren't being penalised for it. And, and then... 
uh, really slow in the ruck. Sometimes there was a second effort in the ruck and there was just nothing. But once that standard is set and there's no whistle called, and then the game gets to a point where it's at golden point, now the refs are uh, almost hands are tied because you can't just decide now, oh, we're going to penalise the game differently to the first 80 minutes. Boy, don't you wish the NRL could, I don't know, say, crack down on these kind of <laughs> things and maybe make a change. Well, By next- God, that's exactly what happened last year. And now here we are back in the same you know, shit show that we were seeing pre-crackdown and it, it seems to be going back to what everyone was calling for the crackdown for. Now, Liam, this was sort of um, exacerbated by mm. a certain commentator for this week's Taking It Personally. Hey, Nagy, you taking this personally? I'm taking oh. this personally. Now, this this certain person, I'm going to bring him straight out, Brandy Alexander, <laughs> right? He's a commentator for Fox Sports, and he has been a commentator for Fox Sports for a long time. I'm going to say 10 years. And he has always had something in his bonnet, I think it might be a bee, around the <laughs> Newcastle Knights. He does he shows like active disdain for them when he is he's commentating. Now, I understand his role as uh, a comment man, uh, as a second person to the person, uh, like Warren Smith would be the one calling the, the play-by-play and then uh, in short breaks he sort of comes in and, and says his piece. I believe they call that the colour commentator. The colour commentator. Mm. Now, it's he was... In my eyes, I don't think he said one thing that would have been positive about the Knights. He only made comments that were either disparaging about the Knights or positive about the Dragons. Or if it was positive about the Knights, it would how the Dragons uh, could take advantage of it. Or it, it honestly, it would just seem like he was punting for the Dragons to win that game. And it, it look there were. As an example, he might say, uh, like, if the Knights forced a mistake um, by the Dragons on the fourth tackle 30 metres out from their line. Now, lots of people would read that many different ways, and he chose to say, oh, the Dragons really blew that opportunity. The Knights' defence looked like they couldn't take much more of that. And I just think, I thought to myself, like, why is this such, like, look, Brandy Alexander, look, he's got, look, (laughs) Greg named after a shit drink Alexander. It's not a good drink. (laughs) No, it's not. It's terrible. It's full of cream. It's full of cream. (laughs) And so is he. (laughs) Look, it's just, if they want the game to expand, they can't just continue to expect the the teams like the Newcastle Knights or the Canberra Raiders or or the Cowboys being just the kicking boys of of the many, many, many Sydney clubs. The whom? The kicking boys. No, I know you want to say whipping boys, but no, they're the kicking boys because they're... Look, after kicking's th- worse than whipping. I'd argue that you're you're <laughs> right. We're the kicking boys. We're the kick. We're on the ground, and then we're just there to be kicked. Maybe Bra- Brandy wears a lot of shorts because oh, you see shorts are good, good for, for kicking. kicking. Yes, <laughs> it's easier to kick when you're in shorts. <laughs> but look, I'm not asking. Look, I understand that his comments don't have any sort of bearing on the end of game result. But after three spoons in four seasons, and we're seeing like a lift in the side, and look, there's a completely different side, a completely different uh, administration. It's almost that, that's it. It's almost an entirely new organization. But it's he, gone beyond. Just a new team, but he just still has this look. Just saying, keep an eye out for this in the future. And look, Brandy, look, we're not asking for any sort of uh, special treatment. Just a bloody fair go, and I'm taking it personally. Oh wow, <laughs> Nate, you sound like a politician. A fair go, <laughs> you sound like Scomo. Yeah, so now I've got that out of my system. Uh, that's you're, you're very red. I went look; it's quite warm in here, but also <laughs> I'm fuming with anger. Hey, I thought Josh King had a good game though. Look, another thing. Yeah, I think he had his best game in a while. I thought Josh King, even uh, last week for the limited minutes that he got, he, look, he, he came out and he he just had a real go, and that's what mm. everyone's been asking. He's made no mistakes since he's played um, this season in the two games. Looks like he might get another run this week. As no, well. he's been dropped back to the extended uh, extended bench. More on that to come. But yeah. he he was showing some. He was putting some real sting in his tackles, which. 
I don't think we associated with Josh King last year. He was he was hitting hard. He was making first contact, and even if he wasn't the first contact, that second and third contact, he was he was making it stick. He was hitting pretty hard. So I'm pretty proud of Josh because that article came out about you know the the troubles he's had with social media and yep. the way that people have treated you know spoken about him on social media. Which that's just terrible. You people be nicer. <laughs> It's it's not that well, hard to be nice. He's now a guy that's played forty plus first grade games, uh, but every game is his next test to to step up. Everyone's looking at his stats uh, and thinking, uh, why can't he be better? And when you look at uh, comparatively, like his stats this week compared to someone like Aiden Guerra's, uh, like his running meters for the times he had the ball were better. Uh, his tackles arguably were more effective, mm. but no one's pointing the finger at Aiden Guerra saying, oh, he he played like a reserve grader. But um, for some reason, Josh King has just in the times where the the whole team might not be anything remarkable happen. People still feel it, the need to, to point at the, the bench prop and say he's the reason why we lost the game, yeah. uh, which I find really uh, fascinating. To, to It's easy to do. Like I, like, I understand people get frustrated, and uh, I'm obviously one of them. <laughs> Quite clearly, <laughs> But it, it's easy to point the finger and say that's the player that, that, that caused all the, the issues. But in reality, it's not each week. Mm. Uh, it looks sure that he can be improvements in his game. Sure, maybe he needs to focus more on his, on his running, but his tackle effective, effect, effectiveness has always been really solid. But it's, it never gets is taken into consideration um, and all the time that he's on the field sometimes he only plays 25 minutes and then at 25 minutes we might only have four or five sets so you know his opportunity to run the ball is is pretty slim minimal at best but yeah I thought he I'm, had his best game in a while I thought so too I thought so too and uh, look, uh, look there was a lot of positives to take Clemmer obviously stood up and I think he was backed up really well uh, by Daniel Safiti. yes Daniel Safiti brought real impact when he came on he, he got those sets rolling hard he broke a few tackles you know he always had a little a lot of post- contact meters you know he was always poking his nose through the line and I just feel like this year is going to be the next step in the evolution of Daniel Safidi and he's already starting to show it he looks he just looks big on the field yeah you look at him on the field and he just looks big and seeing him you know take three and four St. George Illawarra defenders every time he ran you know I think this is going to be a really big year for Daniel Safidi um Defense-wise, he was really good as well. He, he hits, was. He, he hits really well when there's like forwards coming at him. He's not so good when he's put back on his uh, on the back of his heels and he has mm. to make a decision left or right. He's got, he got shown up a couple of times there. Uh, but what I really liked uh, is the is is Daniel Safidi evolving into the game. Um, Liam, we're going to have a quick short break and we'll be back at heart. We'll be back to talk a little bit more about this. We will be. I believe it's just started hailing. I've got to go move my car. <laughs> we'll be right back, Justice. Welcome back to the second half of the Jess. Sorry about that, Justice. It was a little bit of an earlier break than we usually have, but there was uh, some some weather coming in quite Look, heavily. The weather outside tonight is certainly weather. Frightful. Mm. But the fire is sure delightful. It is. Um, <laughs> the fire being us. Now, <laughs> Liam, we, uh, we skipped past uh, one of our favourite segments, which is hats off for this week, chosen by... You, the Jousters. We did, and it's going wonderfully again, Jousters. Thank you for all your input. Now, our hats off this week went to uh, the man himself, who we haven't given a hats off to this season, which yeah. is surprising to everyone, Kalen Ponga. Now, Kalen got 61% of the Facebook vote, 54% of the Twitter vote, and uh, his stats are, you know, to be marveled at from a losing side. Ran for 198 metres, uh, two try assists, those beautiful uh, passes that we saw earlier on the screen, five tackle busts, and two line break assists. It's, it's just... You know, you, it, it's hard to disagree with the coach because he's the coach. He knows the things. Yeah. But you've got to say, Kalen is a fullback. He looked more comfortable back mm. then. Uh, there was times uh, in the first few rounds where he looked rushed. He looked in the line. He was making a lot of tackles. Um, and now it just seems like he, 
in those moments where he can pick and choose. Now, this might be contrasted with uh, like a moment later in the game uh, when we had tackles up our sleeve coming into, uh, I think it might have been the third tackle. Kalen gets the ball um, uh, sort of behind the line and then chooses to kick for Edric Lee. Now, Edric still catches the ball, uh, but then nothing happens. It, it, the, the set dies. And but that's Kalen. That's why um, he is such a player that he is because he makes those decisions on instinct. And when they come off, they're going to come off handsomely and they're going to work beautifully for the team. So I notice a lot of people poo-pooing that decision. But at the end of the day, that's why you have a player like that in your team to make plays like that. It yeah. didn't come off that time. Yeah. But I believe the word they use, Nagy, is mercurial. He's yes. a mercurial player. And with a mercurial player like that, sometimes they th- these things aren't going to come off. Mm. But you know, for the most part. What he does do does come off. Um, For all of you playing at home, Mercurial is our word of the week as well. Word uh, of the week, Mercurial. <coughs> thank you very much. It's the uh, word, and it's very loud word of the week. It's yeah. a loud glockin. <laughs> um, but a notable uh, runner-up was David Clemmer with 39% of the Facebook vote and 35% of the Twitter vote. He ran for 198 metres, 74 post-contact metres and 44 tackles. Yeah, so what was the what was the split? Sorry, you, you just mentioned it into my ears, but I've just missed it. Yeah. Kalen got 61% on Facebook, Clemmer 39% and... 54% on Twitter to 35% on Twitter. Is that the first time Clemmer hasn't uh, got the hats off for this week? No, he didn't get it last week. Oh, okay. But, but he's, he's he got, was up there. He's, he's got, up there. Well, He's doing an excellent job in the forwards. He's exactly. And it was like I was saying last week, you know, you kind of expect a bit of a, a warming up time. You expect him to mm. just find his feet a bit. He hasn't. He landed in Newcastle ready to run the football into a wall of men. And that's what he's done. And he's yeah. done it brilliantly. He has done it brilliantly. And he did some good stuff off the ball there leading into that uh, first Kale, uh, the first try to Edric Lee. Which uh, we, haven't, decision. we haven't really discussed that. Now, David Clemmer was never really known to uh, have a bit of a ball playing in his game. But it looks from the weekend that they're starting to incorporate a bit more of that, which I think is a good thing because... Yeah. You'll notice when he gets tackled, because he's so big and runs so hard and he's lumbering and he's an enormous man, he takes about four or five people to bring him down. And so he's going to naturally suck in a lot of numbers, which I think really helped with those two tries. He was involved heavily in the middle in the lead-up. And I think having him incorporate a short pass into his game... It could change everything. Yeah, and I think that's uh, that's what good teams like the Storm and, uh, and the close to the line they use their props as uh, ball runners, but also uh, dummy runners as well. Mm-hmm. Like they will receive the ball and then pass it on, and then uh, having to shift the defense in the middle to to create those gaps on the outside. Which you'll remember that was a favorite of um, of Des Desi Hasler in his successful years at the Bulldogs. He had James Graham and Adam Tolman acting almost as ball players, and same with Jake Trebojevic over at Manly. He does the same thing. You know, yeah. he can act as a ball player and. It just adds another string to the bow of Clemmer. Speaking of manly, Liam, uh, this is the game coming up this week. A uh, grudge match. Well, it's a grudge match for so many reasons because it's uh, it's not only uh, one that we love to have at home. It obviously brings a big crowd, uh, you know, echoes of 97 mm. uh, all over again. But what it also is, is uh, our... Um, it comes to the end of our run. We've had four games. Uh, this will be our fourth game at home in the first five games. We've only got one win under our belt. So this could this could make or break uh, what is considered, are we keeping our head above water? Um, you know, they've all been very close games. We're only on minus four points differential. Which is phenomenal for the Knights. Even though we've been losing, to have a differential of only minus four, I think, again, you go back through previous years and after the first five rounds, our points differential had already blown out. Yeah. So to have a, a points differential of only only minus four at this point. Even though we've only won one of those, that's going to be important come the back end of the year. There hasn't been any blowouts. There hasn't been any, you know, huge scores run up against. Yeah, you know, and I think if we can continue that on and keep the scores low, um, I don't think it's been a score over 20 against us. Um, no, I think 
I think we're keeping it... Lo- and look, that's what you can really... I think it was Sterlo um, two weeks ago was saying that if you want to be a top four side, you got to keep the points scored against you. Uh, you want to be like uh, below average of 15. I think we're in that in that game. We are missing a lot of tackles though. Um, mm. we're, we're in the... I think we're the second most missed tackles, but um, I think that didn't... That doesn't always read how it, it seems. I think last year we weren't missing many tackles at all, uh, but we were conceding a lot of points. Yes, it's not often that those two actually go well together. You miss tackle stats... And, you know, your defensive points differential lapses. Yeah. So I think what we can see is that the Knights defense has improved purely on that points differential and the attack will come. The attack will come. You look back at sides who have won it in the past. Last year, remember, the Roosters defense from round one was phenomenal, but their attack didn't click. Remember when uh, North Queensland won the comp, they lost, I think, three out of their first four as well. Yeah, one of of those to the Knights. One of those to the Knights. And you'll tend to see that these sides who win the comp, they start conceding few points and then their points gained, their points scored increases throughout the year. So I think fans, you've just got to be patient. We're keeping the scores against low. Yeah. Now we just need to increase the points for. Yeah, it will look really bad for um, obviously the, the the Knights as a team if we come out uh, with one from five. That will look terrible and that will be terrible. And it'll be hard for us to come back. But one of the things, uh, look, we'll get to Manly in a second, but one of the things that I think we have it now um, in our favour is the draw. Mm. Uh, we come up, up against, I believe, the Warriors, the Titans and the Bulldogs, all in pretty close succession. Uh, these sides haven't set the world on fire. They've all had very uh, mixed games. The Titans are yet to win one. Um, and so we've got the opportunity there to really find our feet again. I don't think the tight size we've played a, a, you know, a grand final shake. There's been no roosters, no storm. Uh, but it's, but still, we, I think we've got an opportunity there to, if we're going to bounce back in the middle of the season, like coming into the, the second quarter of the season, um, I think we've got a good opportunity to do so. But we've got Manly this week, 5.30 on the Saturday. We do now. This will be an interesting one. Manly have hit a bit of form. They've um, they lost their first two, but with the return of Tom Trebojevic, they won their next two. Uh, last one was a golden point win over Souths, mm. who obviously are very highly rated uh, to win the competition. But again, Manly just kind of ground them out and ground them out and with a, a roster that you don't expect much from Manly did really well up against Souths um, their forward pack is very strong they've got a couple of big ball running um, players Adam Fanua Blake Martin to power big meter eating guys who can also throw a decent offload so I think key to that will be containing those guys and I yeah. feel like now we've got the forward pack to do it um, felt like last year in the games against Manly, we managed to contain Marty to power somewhat. He yeah. still made a lot of meters, made a lot of post-contact meters, but he couldn't get his offloading game going. So I think that'll be absolutely key for the Knights to really lock up your to powers and your Adam Fanua Blakes. And that will kind of decimate the platform that Manly set. So if you can... S- shut down those two players especially yeah. then Manly won't get much of a role on afterwards they've definitely like they've uh, they started the season a bit slow and they look like they've 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 hit some form and playing those pressure games against good sides they're going to be really tough to beat but um luckily for us uh they lost uh the Tommy Turbo yes. um, to a nasty hamstring looking uh looking injury which is, which you know it's nasty when he didn't even hit the line and then the oh, players stopped. D- didn't even tackle him because mm. they were just like we know that's painful it's uh and but, you know, coming into the side, we've got some, also some players returning this week, Liam. We uh, do, we do. We've got um, James Gavay will return to prop. 
Tim Glasby rotates into the lock position. Mitch Barnett drops back to the bench with Josh King dropping back to the extended reserves. Also notice on that extended bench, uh, Herman Essay is, uh, is mentioned there as well as uh, Tao Tao Moga. The two double names, uh, Tao Tao and Essay Essay. Uh, it wasn't, there was no error in the writing. That's just, that's just the way it is. That's just their names. Um, but you know, would, would you see Tao Tao come back into the side? Look, I think Tao Tao will probably come back Sooner rather than later. I think it's uh, probably a bit late for this week. But uh, from all accounts, since he came back in the lower grades last week, he's been playing very well. And Heimel Hunts hasn't set the world on fire so far. Yep. I don't. I think it's fair to say, you know, he hasn't been too bad, but there's been a few errors in his game. He probably hasn't done as much work as you'd hope from uh, from an outside back. So there's definitely room for Tauto in the side, and I think he'll be back sooner rather than later. How do you see, besides shutting down those two front rows, how do you see the Knights beating Manly? Look, I think it's got to be in the backs. Their back line is a very inexperienced. You've got players like Brad Parker, Ruben Garrick, uh, Brendan Elliott, uh, with Tommy Turbo out, Brendan Elliott will probably go to fullback. Uh, Moses Suley, I think, is out injured. So they've got a very inexperienced back line. So I think if you can... Work, build that platform in the middle yep. and send Kalen Ponga running at their edges, y- you could be in for a field day. What I think that someone like Mason Lino could really focus on is that other edge that we just don't utilise as much, uh, not down the Edric Lee side, but the the one with uh, uh, the Jesse Raymond. is basically was, was looked dangerous, but he was just used as this sort of bumper truck. And he, he's been starved of the ball so far. And yeah. that's been, I, I forgot to write that down in what went wrong, but that's yeah. another thing that went wrong again for the fourth week in a row. Jesse Raymond got very little ball. He didn't, he wasn't given the chance to show what he can do. And I think it's because he plays on the right and that left-to-right pass is a harder pass to throw. But these are professional sportsmen in our halves. They need to be able to throw that pass left-to-right and get Jesse Remy in the ball early so that he can do what he can do. Because whenever he does get the ball, you see it. He's, he's bumping off players. He's busting tackles. He's making breaks. But he's had very little opportunity. So depending on which uh, of the manly centers he marks up against... Um, he could have an absolute field day if he is given the ball. Where do you see Connor Watson coming back into the side, Liam? Look, I think Connor do you th- might do you, think, ha- do you think he's coming back this week? I don't know. I haven't uh, done my look, research look, 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 on he's, that. He's, 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 he's named on the extended bench. He was named a little bit earlier today. Uh, but it, it's one of those questions of where do you put him? You, I think Brownie will keep Kurt Mann at 14 for now. And then maybe the 14 role will change. I don't think Brownie wants to change the halves. What he said in the press conference is that he's hesitant to change up the halves combination. So I think Mason Lino will be in there for a while. Barring injury, I think he'll give Mason Lino a chance to really push for that six spot to be his. And so I don't think Connor will be coming back into the six jersey. I think his role will be that number 14. So he'll be fighting that out with Kurt Mann. And I think he's got a bit of a battle on his hands because Kurt Mann's brought some spark into the game uh, when he has come on yeah. in the few games he's played. So I think for Connor, it's going to be a bit of a, a, a biding of time. You know, he'll have to... Have to wait and play his cards right, but I think he'll come back in that fourteen role, which he can be devastating in. I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that he, like I know Brandy said, he doesn't change the halves. I really want to see Connor Watson back at six. I feel like that game, um, what Connor does is he questions the line a lot. Mm. He, he likes to run the ball. Uh, he, he makes all his decisions um, at the line, and I really think that a game like the one we just had, he could have done a little bit more damage and been a little bit more threatening than Mason Lino, what he showed us. So if Mason Lino does get another chance and they give Connor another um, a, a break from um, coming back from the ankle injury, I really, uh, if, if he doesn't shine the light again, I'd really like to see uh, Connor Watson back in that six. Mm. Uh, if, they're, if they're happy to keep um, Ponger at one, but after that game, you'd think 
that would oh, be the case. Pong has got to be you know cemented in at one for the rest of the year, surely. There's a lot of players coming back, uh, Liam, and uh, also someone else coming back uh, to Channel 9. Who's coming back to Channel 9? Daryl Summers is coming back to Channel 9. <laughs> Daryl Summers is returning to Channel 9. That is correct, Liam, and you wouldn't huh. believe what he's doing now. What's Daryl doing this well, time? Well, they've got Australia's finest tailors, right? And uh, okay. this is in for Daryl Summers to launch his very own clothing line. A menswear line? Yes, you would say. You'd the Daryl so. Summers' design. It's a show focused completely on that. Huh. Do you know what it's called? I don't. What's it called now? Daryl's Apparel. Daryl's Apparel. Daryl's Apparel's coming to <laughs> Daryl's nine. Daryl's Apparel coming to nine. What's that? 9.30 Thursdays nine in thir- place of the footy show? 9.30 Thursdays. Yeah. Now, Liam, this week, for, before the Manly game, um, now, some of us like to go... You know, not straight to the game because mm. uh, even though there might be like the gates open and things like that, some people like to really enjoy the camaraderie you get at, say, a local pub. Oh, there's nothing better than a local pub before the game. You know, you get to catch up with some mates. You you don't have to spend the the fifteen dollars they expect you to spend on beer at the game. That's right. Beers are reasonably priced. They are. They are. I tell you where they're very reasonably priced, and you get to see everyone, all the greats of Newcastle, all in one place. The Commonwealth Hotel. It's a wonderful pub. But how would you get from the Commonwealth Hotel to an, to a home game like Manly? Look, I'd assume that one would be uh, one would be walking, perhaps maybe yeah. taking public transport. But it all takes so long. It's a if only there was some sort of courteous bus, a bus put on courtesy of the hotel, perhaps courtesy of the hotel. In fact, they have that very bus. And then the courtesy bus will be leaving from the Commonwealth Hotel. They do a couple of trips from about an hour from kickoff. So if you're looking to warm up anywhere, head down to the Commie uh, and uh, you know chat it up with some with with the boys and then uh, and and the girls as well. The boys <laughs> and the girls. And I have taken that bus, and I'll tell you what, there's no much more fun than uh, rubbing shoulders with your mates in the bus after you've had a few schooners. So it's a great time. Head down to the Commie. Uh, they usually the Commie the, the the courtesy bus usually leaves about um, the first trip about an hour before, and then they do a few trips from there. So Make sure you're at the Commonwealth Hotel before kickoff. Uh, it's also a great place to watch the game as well. But mm. <laughs> but now, Liam, uh, I think it might be time for the news. Oh. What's happening in the news, Liam? We mentioned Tommy Turbo is out for Manly. Now, what kind of repercussions might that have for the Blues? We did. Now, Tommy Turbo has been uh, ruled out for Manly. Now, it's been uh, surmised, Nagy, that he may have up to two months out of the game, and that will uh, put him in doubt for Origin 1, which is a damn shame because he was very close to being New South Wales player of the series last year. He looked amazing. He uh, looked absolutely incredible on that wing, but it does open the door. It, for Manly, he looked incredible this season. I was oh, so excited coming back, yeah, yeah, absolutely. His games, um, I think it was against the Warriors last uh, the weekend before last when he came back from his injury first. He completely decimated, dom- decimated yeah. the Warriors' defense. Mm. He was un- he was remarkable. He played very very well, and so he may well miss game one of State of Origin, potentially game two, but it has opened the door. Now I want to hear your thoughts on this for a Blake Ferguson recall. Now there's been com- uh, conversations between Brad Fittler and Blake Ferguson since Blake Ferguson um, quite controversially mm. snubbed Freddie for an origin camp earlier last year, but apparently the two have made their peace. They've broken bread. And uh, it seems like maybe Blake Ferguson might be in line for a a call-up. And uh, I'm intrigued to see how this one pans out because Blake Ferguson last year was arguably the form winger of the competition. He was was doing playing the role that Samuel Rudradra had previously played for um, Parramatta. And he was doing it really well for the Roosters. And he started in very, very fine form this year for the Eels, doing very much the same thing. And again, he's arguably the best winger in the competition as we speak. 
And uh, yeah, I think the door might be ajar for a Fergo recall. Naggy. I, I don't like it. I don't, don't like I it. I don't like it. Oh. I don't like, uh, like Fergo, obviously, like he had the, he snubbed him one camp and then he was sent home from another camp, I think in mm-hmm. 2014, possibly. He was for turning up inebriated yeah, to look, a training session. Uh, look, I think he's just done this on the wrong end of his career. I think uh, those sorts of players, I think in club level, he's great. He's setting the world on fire and he's the best winger in the comp at the moment. However, I feel that he's, he's maxing out of his potential. I don't feel like he's got that next level to bring to origin. I feel like, um, look, th- there was a, a thing mentioned about probably seven or eight years ago with Mick Crocker. Uh, now, Mick Crocker was continually selected for Queensland during their dream run. And... There was a question asked. It was probably more than seven, eight years ago now. But anyway, it was a, it was a while ago. But then they, they said, "Why does Mick Crocker keep getting selected for <laughs> Queensland?" And uh, you know, his form doesn't uh, quite. But he gets out in Queensland. He plays really well. Nate Miles was a similar sort of story uh, right up until the the very end of his rep career. But the the question was asked, "Why does Mick Crocker keep getting selected?" And it's because people like to play with him. Now, mm. and, and it was sort of like was, the, the question was asked: Was it is he a, just a better bloke than he is a player? And I think you need to have a, a slice of that when you when you constructing an origin camp. You need to have something that's uh, that you're bringing more to the side than just your playing ability. And I feel like Blake Ferguson's uh, attitude <laughs> towards okay. the, the rest of the, the the to the camp itself, um, respecting the and it was around like the 2014 time where we were like getting Josh. We won the comp, but we had the likes of. Josh Josh Dugan, Blake Ferguson floating around the side. It, I just feel like he's burnt his bridges there. We need to look forwards, not backwards. Upwards, uh, not forwards. D- and always <laughs> twirling, twirling always. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's interesting you bring that up because Freddie was very, you know, unabashedly uh, admitting that he has a no dickhead policy in his team. And yes. from what Blake Ferguson's done in the past, both in origin and in his club form, it would seem that he is a dickhead. Uh, I've it, never met the man. No. I can't, you know, qualify that by saying I've met him and he's a dickhead. But... Some of his behaviours that I've witnessed yes. as an outside supporter may indicate that he may, in fact, like be, be a dickhead. dickhead yeah. um, again, Blake, I know he listens to the show. Big fan not, of the show. A big fan of the show. I'm not calling you a dickhead. I'm just saying some of your actions may indicate a, a somewhat dickheaded behaviour. I am calling him a dickhead, actually. Okay, now <laughs> he's calling you a dickhead. But it'll be an interesting one because Freddie has really revolutionized what a state of origin camp can be about. You know, he's brought in these new methods. He's brought in these new ideas, these new ideals. And Blake Ferguson seems to be a relic of, of the new South Wales past where we were beaten constantly. Mm. We had a team full of dickheads. I'm happy to admit that new South Wales origin team of years past was just, there were a lot of people I didn't want to cheer for in that team. And it seems like Freddie's really turned over a new leaf. And so I'll be very interested to see how this goes. I, if Blake Ferguson can turn around his off-field stuff, yeah. which I know is one of Freddie's sticking points with him, if he can turn around his off-field stuff, become not a dickhead, mm. and also be the best winger in the world on the wing for the Blues, I'll be very happy. And let's face it, if he comes into the team, acts like a dickhead, but we still win the series and he's the best player in the series, mm. I don't care. Yeah, look, true. I, I, I just want to win an Origin series. I can see your point, <laughs> and it'd be great to go back-to-back. Um it's it's one of those things. Like I think Freddie, like you, know, you spoke about the change in the camp. He, he liked to uh, one of the things he was walking with the players. He, he like all boots off. He wanted yeah, the barefoot, the barefoot, feel the grass, feel mm. the energy of the field, the molecules. I believe he was talking about. There was molecules coming in. 
Yeah, look, Freddie does his um uh, does uh, had a very different way to look at it. He, I think he also didn't like the amount of phone use of players. He wanted everyone. He cancelled it. There's can- no phones. No phones. No phones whatsoever. That's the kind of thing that I, I think would it would be better to for a new younger player to come onto the scene, or even like an older older head. I wouldn't even mind if there was someone that had been there before, like um, Tupu or um, maybe another Morris boy. Well, I think they've had their run. Yeah, uh, I think, but true. I think they both retired from rep football as well. But Good point. something <laughs> like that, that they, someone they could add to the the culture, not take away from it and look look if if Blake Ferguson is still the informed winger uh, coming into you know uh, closer to in the next 60 days uh, sure look put him in because it, form should come first but if there's an option there for someone else someone else puts their hand up um Someone like Clint uh, Gutherson. Clint Gutherson. Uh, Gutherson. The thought, king of the West. Yeah, like someone like that, like not necessarily have him on the wing, but just have that conversation. It's like, well, this player's also playing really, really well. And he- he's an excellent human being. He's a shining beacon of humanity. Yeah. Let's get him in. Yeah, yeah look, something like that. Look, that's that's just where I'm at. But as- again, at the end of the day, Origin is still, as we uh, mentioned, I think 59 days away as of today, which will be 57 when you're listening to this on Thursday. It's a long way away, but uh, it's still good to listen to. Um, next thing in the news, now, this is another interesting one. Following in the footsteps of uh, Jared Hayne, mm. Val Holmes obviously went over to the US to trial for some NFL teams. And we have exclusive news here to the Joust. You're hearing it here first, first. Um, unless you're listening on Thursday, in which case you'll be hearing it after everyone else has said it. He's been signed for the New York Jets. Now, what does this mean for Valentine Holmes? Now, I did some very, very basic and very, very rushed research. Now, yes. what Valentine Holmes has been signed on is essentially a train and trial. Train and trial contract. Yes. So he's very much... He's not really on the fringes. To say he's on the fringes of the well, squad would be disingenuous. The, he's going he's through the pathways. The, he's no, he's on the fringes of the fringes. Yeah. So the 90-man squad, I believe, that he's currently a part of mm. will be cut down to 53 men. That'll be the practice squad. Yeah. And then that will then be cut down to the, I think, 40 players. Who was So the, he'll who, take a while. Who was the Knights player that uh, that was famously the most terrible Knights player ever? Smith. Signed? Smith. It was his first um, name. Greg forgot. Smith. Greg Smith. He From was, the Philadelphia Eagles. He was also part of that... Uh, <laughs> that, that, that same system where he was cut down and he made it and made it, then he didn't make and he it anymore. He fooled everyone. He tricked everyone. Well, he was actually part of that that structure. He was involved in those <laughs> camps, but he he never made it to the the level that he he may have insinuated that he was. I don't think there was any insinuation. I think he very. You know, blatantly stated he played in the NFL. I'm not claiming that uh, Valentine Holmes is in some way Greg Smith, <laughs> but in some ways I am. So, yeah. so. But, um, you know, it's just an interesting one because Val's gone over there and he's tried his guts out. He's gone to the famous NFL Combine, which is where they get all their measurements taken and all their timing and, you, you know, the, the running and the whatnot. Yeah. And, um, you know, he seems to have done okay, but... There's another um, loophole that may see him make the practice squad because I believe a certain number of NFL teams are granted one foreign player per uh, year. But I, good on him over there. Look, yeah. over all the best. What I'm really happy about is he's not being shot back around to NRL clubs, and then they have all this whole thing of contract disputes, and then they oh. say, "Oh, the Sharks should get him again." And no, and then there's always the Knights brought up, like, "Oh, well, Lake maybe afford him." He's <laughs> like, "No, let's just forget about Valentine Holmes. He's chosen another code." Mm. Let's just leave it at that. That's it. He's picked another card. <laughs> but um, just lastly, before we finish, we'll just go over the uh, yeah, the yeah. lower grade results. Now, yeah. It was a much better week than last week for our res- uh, for our lower grade. So the reserve grade still lost, 34-16 to the Dragons. But they've got the Sea Eagles next week away. They'll be playing them. Uh, Harold Matthews won 28-6 against the Eels, and they will be playing the Dogs in week one of their finals. Um, SG Ball lost 24-zip against the Eels. Uh, they've missed the finals for this year. Um, Jersey Flag won 26 to six. Also over the Dragons, they'll be playing the Seagulls next as well. 
And the Tasha Gale Cup side won 48 points to four against the Eels. Again. And they, yes, they did. It was not a bad week against the Eels. Uh, and they'll be playing the Tigers in week one of the Tasha Gale Cup finals. Good on the girls. Like, Go I, the girls. Haven't they just had a, a miraculous run so far? They like, have. I think they finished the season in second. Second position, I believe. They finished very high. They had a great run. Yeah, very good season. Fantastic to all the uh, the Tash Gale girls. Um, they really, for the Knights, you know, they're, they're, doing, they're doing some fantastic mm. stuff out there. It's great to see. Time for Six of the Best, Liam. Oh. You're Six of the Best. I saw someone post uh, when Dina Turner was saying that, uh, I guess, at the grand final. It would have been in <laughs> 89 or something stupid. But she really, you know, she had it for the, for the old girl. Oh, uh, yeah, she did. <laughs> the, the grandmother that everyone was, <laughs> that was still a sex symbol. Now, but Liam, six of the best this week. Now, because of Clemmer's dream sort of uh, uh, run for Newcastle and it's been such consistently uh, great performances back to back, for me, I was thinking about Six of the best props that have ever Great played the props. game. Now, for Liam, I'll, I'll let you start, Liam. Who is one of your six of the best props? Mark Tukey. Mark Tukey. <laughs> Got to be Mark Tukey. He's the quintessential prop. You know, he he looked like a prop. He acted like a prop. He played like a prop. He was a prop. He's basically what I think when, when I go to sleep at night, and this happens often, when I go to sleep at night and I'm laying there trying to sleep and I just think, what do I think about a prop? What do mm. I think about props? And to me, and Mark Tukey springs, springs immediately to mind. You know, he's a bit of a larger fellow. Looked like he enjoyed a can of beer or two. Can of beer, Liam? What kind of beer do you think he enjoyed? Look, I would think if Mark Tukey lived in Newcastle, he would love the Murray's 262. The 262 is a lovely beer for those Very big, nice beer. The big burly men that really enjoy beer, or even your slimmer men that like enjoy us. beer. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'll put us more in the first category, Liam, but, uh, but we yes. still enjoy a beer. And when we're we on do the burly side. When we enjoy a beer, Liam, it's the 262 from the Murray's Brewery. It is indeed. But back to Mark Tukey. He was, you know, a bit of a cult hero because of his portly physique, but it's a shame that in the era he was running around, so the late 90s, early 2000s, a large prop was a cult hero. I think that signalled the death of the traditional prop and the rise of your more athletic, yeah. um, boring props. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if they were boring. You better. There's two stories I have about Mark Turkey. One of them that that he really did enjoy uh, in retirement. He, he used to go to, uh, I believe, still in New Zealand, uh, to a local um, like a club and play bingo. <laughs> <laughs> And there was a rugby league week article about it. He was just sitting by himself playing bingo because he enjoyed it. And I thought that was great, but also maybe because he'd taken quite a few knocks. But also, he, but also, what he liked to do in tackles, if there was, if they ever been, if he was ever making a tackle and driving someone back. You would scream into the person's ear, <laughs> which I think is just brilliant. For me, Liam, my uh, best props uh, of the game. Look, I really had a soft spot growing up for uh, Shane Webke. I mm. just thought Shane Webke was this like epitome of this really tough as nails bloke. Shane Big Pond Webke. He was built like no one else should be built. He had this barrel chest and these little arms, and he, he and he just went out there. And when he when he used to play for Queensland or play for Australia, he just managed to find this extra. Uh, extra level to take it to and he, he really you know, like he just tore the house down and I w- always admired that of even though he played for Queensland and played for Brisbane but uh, even at one stage I, th- I think they said it, during an Australia camp he stood up and I think it was 2004 he stood up uh, at the breakfast table and then he just collapsed and his knee just gave way because <laughs> his body was just so beaten up and bruised and that's why he probably had a much shorter career than say a, a Petro Sinner and the thing that always impressed me about Shane Webke was for a prop again in an era where props were no- not known for their intellect yeah. he was always very well spoken he was a, he seemed like a great thinker you know he, he just owned pubs he was just a pub owner i yeah. believe but he was always very well spoken and yeah seemed 
quite intelligent for a man whose job was basically to hit his head onto other big blokes' heads. <laughs> um, who's, mine, just, who's your second choice? Though? Oh, it's got to be Chief. Chief's hard Why to beat, was Chief it? not at the top of our list? Well, no, he's in the list. No, the six of the best, they're, they're all one. It's they're not, all exactly. <laughs> it's not ordered. It's six equal, yeah. except Chief's up top. Up the top. We'll, yeah. we'll put Chief at the top, number one. <laughs> and as you talk about, he was the real like uh, bringing of the athletic prop back to mm. the game, like well, to the game for the first time. I believe he was signed as a back to the Knights initially. Um, uh, I could be corrected on that, but I believe that was correct. <laughs> uh, the, uh, and then he, he, you know, he, he changed the whole thing of having this monster man uh, up front that was really athletic and good do lots of minutes and put in lots of tackles and basically get into a boxing match most big games, which was fantastic to see him lock horns with Spud Carroll. Oh, with Spud Carroll. There's no better rivalry in sport than that between Paul Harrigan and Spud Carroll. Who have you got next for uh, number four? Uh, for me, look, like, another the soft spot for me was Matty Parsons. He was probably, oh. for the Knights, he was signed there probably uh, with with Chief um, retiring in 99 and then uh, in, in Butts uh, retiring in 2000. Uh, we, we needed another big man and uh, and we signed Matty Parsons. He was coming off, I think, 2000. And he was a big man. Yeah, yeah, he was a huge man. Biggest prop in the game at the time and he just got out there and did his job. He recently had a, 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 a chat with a he was saying how he didn't never had a manager. He just did his uh, deals on handshakes, and <laughs> and uh, he was just one of those, those. And then he went out when he retired. He went out and played for, I believe, Dora Creek, and he <laughs> captain coached. And that's what I really love about these old footballers that just go out and be like, no, I still want to play. And like, yeah, look, I've got all the experience. But he was just, it was just a true blue Knights player and a true blue prop, just just stripped away of any sort of uh, you know fancy schmancy football. It was just get out there and do his job. It was really great to see him in, in 2004 play his last game. I'll tell you who I've got for my next one now. I had Glenn Lazarus, the brick with eyes, the original, you know, amazing prop. But I've changed my mind. I'm going with Martin Lang. Martin Lang. That man ran with a disregard for his own safety that you wouldn't see outside of, you know, a suicide bomber. He just ran. He was all neck. His running style was all neck. He would run with his neck exposed. Yes. His head thrown back. Those Sprint. beautiful locks. He would run as hard as he could. He, he was, to me... I remember growing up watching him play for the Sharks, and any time he would get hit, you would you'd be amazed that he'd get up. But he'd get up. He'd get up and play. It would be incredible. He'd get up and then he'd do it again, and you'd you would still be amazed. And then he'd get up and do it again. He was. And then the fourth time he wouldn't, and he'd have to be carried <laughs> off. But well, those first three times, my God. Premiership winner, uh, mm. Martin Lang, and I tell you what, and played eight games for Queensland as well. Like he was, he was a, a prop from a different era, but also he retired at 28. So that yeah. might, <laughs> that also might say something about his uh, his approach to the game. But we definitely don't see those kinds of players anymore. Thank you very much for joining me this week, and uh, Liam, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for joining us as well, uh, guys. If you like us, please like us on Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all those social pipes. Excellent social pipes, Snaggy. <laughs> we'll hopefully see you at the Commonwealth Hotel. Uh, before kickoff uh, this weekend against Manly, please head down there. Go, you mighty knights. There's the delay. <laughs>